I would like to welcome Professor Charlotte Supri Urik from the Department of Respiratory Medicine, Copenhagen University Hospital, who took part in a very interesting session at this year's ERS Congress on how to maximize patients' outcome in asthma and COPD. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Incorrect use of inhalers and poor adherence are major challenges of asthma and COPD care. What proportion of patients have a good inhaler technique in the real life setting? And uh, those who do not have, what are they doing wrong? What are the typical and critical errors? Actually, I have to say that it's very difficult to, to give you a percentage on how many of the patients are not able to use the inhaler correctly, because it's, it's actually not that easy to assess whether a patient used the inhaler correctly or not. But we do it every day at, our, at the outpatient clinic here at the hospital. When the patient comes in with asthma or COPD, we ask them to show us how they use their inhaler, and then we try to train it if they don't do it in the correct, correct way. Sometimes we have to change the inhaler. So, so, and I, I mean, if you try to do it, to ask all your patients just one day at the outpatient clinic to show you how they use their inhaler, you will get surprised. I mean, so many of them, they don't know how to use the inhaler. And sometimes you also realize that the patient has never been to the pharmacy to buy the inhaler because when you show them the inhaler you prescribe for them, they look completely surprised. They've never seen it before. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very complicated. And I mean, most of us know what it's like to take a tablet and put it into our mouth and then swallow it with some water. I mean, it's it's a piece of cake. But when it comes to inhalers, I mean, it's very, very difficult. It's uh, some inhalers, you have to, your inspiration should be very forceful. And sometimes it's not, you're not required to do that. So, so it's quite difficult. And I think uh, it, another really difficult thing when you manage patients with asthma and COPD is, is the the non-adherence. I mean, we have so many patients who do not go to the pharmacy to find the medication. And I mean, in Denmark, it's actually relatively easy to find out whether they take the medication or not, because we have what's called a common medication card. And the other thing is that all citizens in Denmark have a, a unique personal identification number. So when I sit at the outpatient clinic, I can go directly online to see how many times have the patient been to the pharmacy to buy the controller medication in the last two years. And it doesn't matter where they bought it in Denmark. I mean, it would be registered in the system. And we have done quite a lot of studies also comparing. If we ask the patients, do you remember to take the medication? And they say yes. And then, if, then we actually assess the adherence objectively through the, through the registers. And we can see that, the, I mean, there's a clear discrepancy between the two. And I mean, we know from some of the ATLAS studies that we've done that the patients usually take somewhere between 25 and 46% of the prescribed doses of their controller medication. So we have two problems, adherence, and we also have a problem with the inhalers because it's quite difficult. You know, every time a pharma company comes out with a new inhaler, they tell us that this inhaler is so easy to use. I mean, the patients will like it, they will love it, they will never make mistakes, you know, but that's not true. I mean, no matter how the inhaler is, is, is constructed, I mean, you can always make in, you can always make mistakes. And of course, some mistakes are small and others are big. And some of the mistakes will mean that you will never get the drug into your lung. From the inhaler technique perspective, does the number and the type of devices matter? 
I mean, basically, we have two types of inhalers. We have the dry powder inhalers, and we have the pressurized meter dose inhalers or the meter dose inhalers. And the, in, in, the technique you should use for those two kinds of inhalers are very different. So, I mean, if you have to prescribe more than one inhaler for a patient with asthma or COPD, it would be the best thing to, to for instance, pick two dry powder inhalers or two meter dose inhalers. I mean, because we know from some studies that if you prescribe the inhalers, more than one inhalers, that it requires different uh, inhaler techniques. I mean, the likelihood that the patient will make mistakes and that will have an impact on the outcome, you know, the, the effect of the treatment, how many exacerbations will they have, will they eventually die from the disease? I mean, it has great impact. So I think if you have to prescribe more than one inhaler, you have to, to, to if possible, it should be the same inhaler because then it will require the same technique. But, but the, if that's not possible, then there have to be inhalers that are very similar in the way you use them. For instance, two dry powder inhalers or two meter dose inhalers. Uh, what are the important aspects that uh, need to be taken into account to find uh, the inhaler that fits best to a given patient? I mean, it, it's, it's also, I mean, I can sit there at the outpatient clinic and think this individual patient, the absolute best combination of drugs of inhaler, whatever, for that patient would be this inhaler with those two drugs or whatever's in it. But if the patient doesn't like the color of the inhaler the size of the inhaler or something else. I mean, it's very likely that it won't go to the pharmacy and buy it. So, so you have to team up with your patient and find the best inhaler with the best combination of drug or the best drug, whatever is needed in that situation. So, so you, you know, you have a partnership with your patient and uh, make the best. I mean, you have a patient with a disease, but you have to make it the best out of it. As you mentioned, uh, adherence to, to inhaled corticosteroids is often reported to be very low. What is the significance of ICS treatment in asthma and uh, COPD? So what do patients risk by not taking this medication? I mean, I mean it, it's likely to be different for patients with asthma and for COPD. We know that inhaled corticosteroids, you know, that's simply the cornerstone of asthma management. So Whatever we do, we should try to get some inhaled steroids into the lungs of every asthma patient that we see. So, so one thing is that you should never prescribe a short-acting beta-2 agonist for rescue use for a patient with asthma and not give them an inhaled corticosteroid. And I mean, a lot of patients, they, will, they can feel the effect of the short-acting beta-2 agonist in a minute or two or perhaps three minutes. And then they forget to take the inhaled steroids. And the best thing is to prescribe them a fixed combination inhaler with both a fast-acting bronchodilator and an inhaled corticosteroid. So if they get forget to take the medication, which is quite common, uh, then when they need some medication, they will actually get some inhaled steroid when they need something to relieve their symptoms. So that's one thing. The other thing is when it comes to patients with COPD, it's not all, all patients with COPD who actually benefit from treatment with inhaled corticosteroids. So you have to find out, does this patient actually benefit from this? If, if they have a lot of exacerbations, high blood eosinophils, you know, you can see that in the, in the gold strategy document, what should, you should look for. And I mean, then of course, you should also prescribe it in the best possible inhaler for that patient with COPD. I mean, many patients with COPD are not uh, young anymore, so they may have comorbidities or other disabilities that means that there are inhalers that they're not able to use. So you have to pick the right inhaler for the right patient. 
We know that uh, PMDIs have a much bigger carbon footprint than uh, DPIs. And uh, in the session, we have seen data and the use of different inhaler types that arise across Europe with the northern countries uh, using the most DPIs. Yes, and I mean, it, it, I mean, of course, we also have to, I mean, sustainability. I mean, we have to take care of our environment. Uh, and I think we should do everything we can to do that, to, to, you know, to promote that also when we pick inhalers for our patients. But, but I mean, as long as some meter dose inhalers are much cheaper than dry powder inhalers, I mean, there will be parts of the world where I think it would be okay because, I mean, you have to treat your patients. I mean, you have to think of the, take the environment into account, but if your patients die every day, every day, I mean, that's, that's not a good way of doing it. So, so I think it's something we all have to look at and address in the future. And, uh, you know, I mean, inhalers and also the, the carbon footprint of the inhaler has changed over the years. So, so, I mean, it's, it's something we all should work on, but we still have to take care of the individual patient. Closing our conversation, what would be the, your key message to the clinicians? You have, when it comes to inhalers, I mean, you have to, to pick the right inhaler for the right patient to team up with your patient when you do that. And then you have to, to train the inhaler technique and you have to do it again and again because we all forget it, how to use it. And patients do that too. So, so that's very important. And you should limit the number of inhalers and you should uh, pick inhalers that are require similar inhaler technique. Yeah, Professor Rurik, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you.